Hey everyone, good morning. Welcome to the Daily Drop-In Morning Show with the Teach Better team where we are live every single morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern as we stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. We are so excited to welcome you in. It is Wednesday, March 2nd, and we have a lot in store for you. Good news articles. We have a ton of holidays just like yesterday. Brian is with us to continue to dive into our theme this week, which is all about appropriate and valuable uses for data, how we can turn those into action steps. And holy moly, it's Wednesday. So, you know, we're going to have a really good recommendation for you. Please go fill up your coffee cup and we'll be right back. Good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday. We're thrilled to be a part of kicking off your morning this morning. Or if you're listening to this after the fact, either on all the platforms are streaming or currently listening on Teach Better Talk podcast, we just appreciate being a part of your day. We have Brian with us this morning. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing? Great. Good morning. How are you? Good. I feel like we are, have been communicating in the comments for the past few days. It's been so fun to be able to learn from you, follow the work you're doing, but officially interview you. I'm very excited for you to be on the show. Well, thank you. I'm excited as well. Yeah, I can't believe it's Wednesday already. It seems like, uh, you know, the 12 hour live was just the other day and still reminiscent about some of the practical takeaways that, uh, that many of us enjoyed from, from that incredible event. So hats off oh, to I, you and your team for that. I so appreciate it. We have been able, it's kind of fun after 12 hour to hear people's thoughts and comments and their opinions on what segments they loved or what guests they connected with for the first time. So we're excited to not only obviously celebrate that for any of you who missed it, you can head over to probably our YouTube channel might be the easiest way to find those streams for the 12 hour free professional development we conducted on February 26th that streamed all over the place. But here in just a few weeks, um, it will also be in our Teach Better Academy, kind of all broken up. So if any of you are looking to to enjoy a segment, it's gonna be really easy to find that segment within the 12 hours. So it was fun to be able to have you in the comments, Brian. Really, really nice for you to join us this morning on the show. For people who are not connected to you yet, um, would you mind sharing a little about yourself? Sure, thank you. Um, so um, I'm a principal at uh, Westboro High School, which is uh, about 25 miles west of Boston, nice little suburb in the heart of central Massachusetts. Uh, I've been a teacher for 29 years. I still see myself, even though I'm a principal, uh, as a teacher, you know, a teacher, a co-teacher, teacher leader. Um, I come from a family of educators, my dad, my mom, my sister, my brother, my niece, my uncle, great aunt, a um, lot, of, lot of education, a lot of teaching in our family. So uh, it's a natural vocation for me and I just love it. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's important to uh, you know to work with kids and get them to where we want them to be and where they need to be. I couldn't agree more. What has it been like being a principal over the last few years? Where you did you transition, you know, recently into the administrative role, or have you found yourself really getting in the groove, really loving this role, and then obviously now you're in a, a different phase of supporting educators during this very interesting past few years that we've had? What's that experience been like? 
Oh, wow. Um, I transitioned to administration probably 10 or 11 years ago, and I've been principal at uh, in my current school for 10 years. This is my 10th year. Um, the last couple of years have been just um, unbelievable, uh, incredible, uh, both in the challenges that we've had to face, but also in the opportunities that people created um, to get through the, the last two years. And, um, um, you know, fortunately, we're beginning to turn that corner in recent, uh, recent weeks and months, which is very great. Um, I, I start to see the burden lifted off to uh, students and teachers' shoulders and um and trying to get back to uh you know to, to the real joy of teaching and learning but uh, the last couple of years have uh have been both challenging but also um very opportunistic there's just some positive takeaways from the experience um i think it makes us tougher i think it makes us you know uh appreciate grit and perseverance and some of those qualities that you know help students and teachers um you know get to that get to that um, higher level that better level so Brian, bring me back, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago, you're deciding to consider moving into this administrative role, right? You're, you're supporting students that you're, you're obviously still in education, but you're saying, okay, I think I want to be a principal. What was that like? Why did you decide to move in this direction? I, I asked because there's been a lot of educators recently that I've been speaking to that have been looking at changing their role inside the school building, moving to a coach, moving to a principal you know, position. What does that look like? What what inspired you to do that? Well, I was asked, uh, to be honest with you, I was asked by our superintendent, you know, would you consider, you know, moving into this role? Um, so, uh, so I, I said, yes. Um, it's hard to say no in education, right? We say yes to so many things. Um, so anyway, I said yes, but I, I had an eye for it uh, in the sense that um, I love, you know, working with people and trying to lead them, you know, as a department head in our social studies department, um, you know, kind of working with our own teachers, but also uh, across the across the content and, and doing some interdisciplinary work just became kind of a, a nice vibe working with all aspects of our school um, as a teacher leader. And then again, when asked, um, I said yes. Isn't it amazing how somebody asking a question can completely change the trajectory of, of your path or of your, of your, you know, what you envision for yourself, right? I mean, I think that happens to educators quite frequently where somebody asks one question and now, now a new journey has begun. Well, you know, when we dive into, you know, the research into action, I think questioning is, is a huge component of, of, you know, identifying from that research, you know, what it is that you're going to do. So I can't wait to talk about that. But yes, you're 100% right. One simple little question or one thought provoking question can, can really um, set a path. Well, it's going to be really wonderful. I'm excited to dive into that during our Brainstorm Bank segment where we're going to be able to obviously take questions from our community, but also dive into our theme this week, which you're right, is all about looking at the information in front of us, looking at the data and being able to turn those steps into action steps, which I can only imagine as a leader of a school building that you are constantly needing to evaluate what information do we have before us and what action steps do we want to make. So I can only I can only imagine this is going to be a good dialogue. Brian, before we get into that, we love to kick our show off submitting a moment of gratitude to an app that we called we call Happy Feed. It's an opportunity where you're able to document a moment of gratitude and then revisit those moments later on in a number of different creative ways. We really appreciate this free app is able to kind of store 
some fun information for daily drop-in and obviously within the Teach Better Team community. If you, I, if you were to identify something that you are grateful for, thankful for, appreciative of, is there anything specific that comes to mind? Yeah. Um, I mean, so many things, obviously. But uh, so yesterday, um, our ski team was in the state championship and, um, and I hadn't got a chance to see the ski team uh, perform this year. So I drove over to, uh, to a mountain nearby and, and uh, watched the ski, uh, ski team perform. These two students came over to me, two, two of our students. These two students came over and said, why don't you come over to our tent and get something to eat? Um, you've been here, you know, several hours and, and, um, and they were right. I was hungry. And, uh, but just the act of coming over to their principal who, um, you know, we had seen each other in, in all, but um, we have a 1200 student school. So it's, it's pretty big. Um, they invited me over. One was a, a sophomore boy and another was a junior girl. And, and they invited me over to, uh, to have a hot dog, a hamburger and a cookie. Um, while watching. So, and I was really hungry. So it, it satisfied me in both ways, right? My stomach, uh, as well as um, just feeling that, you know, our kids are in a good spot and um, feel as though they could uh, reach out to the principal, um, you know, to come over. But it was really welcoming. And I'm grateful for that. Oh, it's a perfect moment of gratitude. I love that. And I think it's so interesting, the different teams that you can have at a high school level, obviously change depending on where you're located, I assume you know, in the middle of the desert, they don't have a ski team, right? That may not be their focus, but how fun is it that you're able to not only go to a student event and obviously support something they're very passionate about, but I've never been to a ski like event. I want to go. That sounds so fun. It was a lot of fun. It really was. Yeah. And the mountain fresh air, um, was just, you know, um, invigorating and, uh, and seeing all the activity and all the hard work going to that, going to that event, um, for our student athletes was great. Um, but yeah, that was a nice moment. Love it. Great moment. All submitted in our happy feed app. Um, shout out to the team over at happy feed that it continues to support everyone taking a moment all frequently throughout the day or once throughout the day to be able to, to document a really, really good feel good moment. Brian, that that's probably one of my favorites that we've had uh, shared on the show thus far. So I appreciate it. That was a wonderful one. We're going to transition here into uh, keeping the gratitude, the appreciation, the happiness going. We're transitioning to some good news, including some holidays. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being a part of Daily Drop-In. We are getting into our holidays for the day and also a good news article. Brian, how do you feel about celebration? Are you always up for celebrating a goofy holiday or do you keep it very, very specific to only celebrating certain things? The goofier, the better, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a dad that's a dork and uh, I'm, a, I'm a teacher that can laugh. So, um, you know, interestingly enough with holidays, uh, about a week or two ago before, we just had our February vacation up here over here. And um, my daughter had an assignment in an English class to uh, do research on holidays. So she's actually, for the last couple of weeks, put holidays on our refrigerator calendar um, that uh, that she likes the most. So uh, let's see if your holidays today match the ones on the calendar. I, I wrote them down. And she told I me love it. No, that that I, I love that she's taking an interest in that. How fun. And I do have yeah, to say yeah. some of the holidays are so silly and some of them are really wonderful, valuable cultural yeah. holidays that it's great to be aware that people 
surrounding us, people in our community, people sitting in our classrooms, or people part of our staff might be celebrating something special that we can learn more about. So it's always good to celebrate a holiday. I'm such a fan. Absolutely. Um, for our holidays today, it's actually, there's a ton, Brian. Yesterday, we had like a hundred holidays. I, I'm being dramatic, but like there was like a hundred holidays on March 1st. I was scrolling through March 2nd and I feel like it is the same thing. So I bet your, your, uh, your child had a lot to write down. Looking here, it is officially Ash Wednesday. So for those of you who are a part of uh, Christianity celebrating Lent, that is a holiday that, that might be happening in your communities. It's also Ethiopia's Independence Day. So celebrating um, that, that fun day as well. American Citizenship Day, very fun, rich history about a, a very public holiday. But of course, as many of you might take very close to heart, it is International Cat Rescue Day. So if you have a cat in your home, maybe celebrating some love, or if you need a cat in your home, maybe today is the day to go adopt a rescue cat. Brian, do you have any uh, animals in your home currently? Yeah, we do. Uh, we have a we have a three-year-old golden retriever dog. Yep. I love yep. that. So Winnie. fun. Uh, it is also a very special holiday related to a very special flavor of pie. Brian, if I had to ask you your favorite pie flavor, what would you go for? Uh, I gotta go with uh, I gotta go with apple pie. Oh, good classic! I love it. Yeah. Unfortunately, today is not apple pie celebration day, but it is banana cream pie. So for those of you Ooh. who are excited to go enjoy some banana cream pie, that's today. It's also National Egg McMuffin Day. So as you are ordering your coffee this morning, maybe from a local place or headed into get some breakfast, an egg McMuffin sounds like the right choice for all of us. Uh, it's National Read Across America Day and uh, Texas Independence Day, World Teen Mental Health, uh, Mental Wellness Day. What are your thoughts, Brian, on World Teen Mental Wellness Day? I can only imagine this would be very relevant in our communities. Yeah, it is. And uh, it, it's a sad relevance um, because it, it, it affects so many people. Um, but it's important to, um, you know, to acknowledge it and make people aware of it. Um, you know, and, and hope they hopefully someday, you know, celebrate that that we've minimized the 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 risk and the damage of mental health um, in especially adolescents, but really everybody. But it's important data, you know, to certainly be aware of. I love it. Yes, very very important, and an opportunity for us to bring up conversations to better support our students. So lots here to not only use as as a discussion to foster relationship with colleagues, but also build those relationships with students. Last but not least, it is Dr. Seuss's birthday today. Um, so as you are walking into your day, you might see a lot of people celebrating all different things. Just continue to be supportive and learn and keep an open mind as we continue to support and, and build relationships with those around us. Brian, we also have a good news article today. And our good news article today is, is really just more so a headline I want to kind of throw into our community. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. And then I would, I would really challenge our community to consider looking further into the study that was done because it might also be a good opportunity to bring that to our students or, again, foster relationships with our colleagues. The headline says, the value of giving, compassion, and family is actually flourishing across the world, says a recent survey. A recent worldwide investigation into human goodness and thoughtfulness has found delightfully that it is um, broadly distribu distributed around cultures, even throughout this very difficult time. It says, even though the world has truly gone through quite a few years, 
um, that the data is showing uh, without a doubt that there has been an increase in people caring for each other, having compassion, and also um, really valuing family. Obviously, there's a lot of research being done. Obviously, there's always examples that we see um, in the news of, of, of hardship and you know people having difficult opinions and thoughts of others. Um, but what a wonderful opportunity here to be able to look at some survey results and say, hey, I know we see negativity across our world, but um, it's nice to be reminded that there are um, also very, very wonderful core values that are continuously being emphasized in our communities. Brian, what are your thoughts on that? An increase in compassion and family. Yeah, I think um, I think the last couple of years have caused people to um, to become a little more empathetic um, toward toward others um, and and becoming more grateful. I think is always a great thing, um, and I think that's the best way out of some of the negativity and some of the you know challenges that we see um, you know uh, our world in. Um, you know, is, is to just develop that understanding and compassion to help one another. Um, one of our themes this year, um, we have themes for the year at our school and this, uh, this year's theme was around community. And we came up with, uh, came up with a term called Ubuntu. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ubuntu, but it's a Zulu, Zulu term, uh, African term. And it basically means I am because we are. And um, a lot of our faculty meetings and professional developments, you know, start with, um, you know, some connection to Ubuntu. And, um, um, you know, it, it, it definitely has allowed our students and our staff to, to understand one another. Uh, there's a lot of challenges that people are facing personally and professionally um, because of the last couple of years. And uh, just trying to keep, keep your, your faith uh, alive in humanity, I think, is... Um, uh, and that's the direct translation of Ubuntu in Zulu language is hum humanity. But uh, um, I, I think that can really help us. It's it's like an ingredient, you know. What uh, Brad Hughes talks about secret sauce, and um, you know, to 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 getting our world and our schools to a better place. Certainly, compassion is a big ingredient in that. Mm, such a good tidbit there, Brian. I love that you've been able to take something from uh, you know, an incredible culture in a different location around the world and be able to say, how can we take this idea, make this a focus within our school buildings, not only with our students, but with our staff, really reinforcing, oh, I love that, the, the power that we have, the, the compassion that we have. That is so, so, so wonderful. And a great reminder for any of our leaders or educators that are listening who are not in a leadership role to think, how can I bring in other cultures and really emphasize the passion, the community, and the family that exists within our school building. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful reminder. Brian, we are going to transition here into a segment that I really enjoy, and I know you're going to have a lot to share in. It is our brainstorm bank, where we challenge our community to share questions with us live, and we are able to dive into our theme every single week. Obviously, our theme being data and turning that into action steps, I know is a big passion for you, and um, I'm excited to hear your thoughts. So we'll be right back. Good morning, everyone. We are thrilled to have you here on Wednesday, March 2nd. There has been so much shared. So if you're just popping in now, we are so, so happy to welcome you into this morning. But we also want to encourage you to head back for the last 20 minutes and listen to our discussion because there has been a lot shared. Brian, we have been able to focus on so many things. And in this segment, I'm excited to dive deeper into those concepts. We are always trying to find ways to emphasize 
family, compassion, and really ensure that our community knows that no educator is ever on an island. This is a safe space to brainstorm. Brian and I definitely do not promise to have all the answers to our community, but if anybody is thinking through anything that we can support them with, we love to be here to be a part of that brainstorm. We also have a theme this week that's all about turning data into action. We have, as educators, we have a lot of uh, data in front of us. It's always good to know that we have the power and the choice to then turn those into action steps, which I know, Brian, you must do on a daily basis as a leader. Before we get into that, I do want to give a big celebration, Brian, to Erin. Erin is a part of our community. She's been very, very active in um, the, uh, the Teach Better world over the last few months. She's a new family member, and she just published a book yesterday, officially dropped on sale. Um, I know that there is so much that's going to be in this book. I was able to support Erin through this little project of hers, and she was live celebrating yesterday those big accomplishments. So, Brian, I really appreciate us being able to take a moment to celebrate Erin. Congratulations, Erin. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yes. Very exciting. You know, as we all work in our passion space, sharing our compassion with others, and obviously exploring the idea of turning data into action, what comes to mind, Brian, when I say a focus of looking at the information in front of us, and being able to do something with it? Hmm. Well, there is so much, as you said, um, there is so much. There's such a mix of, of data and um, survey results and reports and um, and you can be overwhelmed by it. Um, I think, um, you know, understanding who your audience is when you're ready to take action, whether it be teachers or students or parents or families is probably, to me, the most important thing. Like, who are we working with here? Um, and, and then the, finding the data, data um, that, um, you know, that you can use to take the action um, that, that you need to support, you know, that particular segment of your school. So, for example, um, you know, it could be something as simple as, you know, at the start of the pandemic, we, we didn't know how we were going to serve lunch, um, you know, and and because the cafeterias weren't in use and and lunch was free to everybody. Um, anyway, we, we did a simple Google form and, and surveyed the students every week. Like, what do you want? Um, you know, how many and what do you want? And um, and we transferred that into, you know, action. Uh, by by putting out as much food as we could that um, you know that um, serve the the population of our of our students, um, but you obviously get thing, into things a little bit more complicated. Um, for example, you know we talked about uh, Teen Mental Health Day. Um, we surveyed our entire freshman class um, at the beginning of this year to get a baseline of uh, on mental health. So we did a um, a, a grade nine wide mental health screener. And uh, ask them, you know, um, about 15 questions um, that that from a national um, uh, survey and questionnaire. And we took that data and, um, you know, uh, supported students that identified themselves as really in a serious, serious, you know, uh, crisis emotionally and uh, mental health wise. And uh, we did it immediately. We did it that day. Uh, we did the survey in the morning and um, survey. Uh, you know, council um, uh, total of 18 students that day, and then another 40 to 50 in the next couple of days just to support them. So um, anyway, you know, data and, and collecting data to me depends on who you're trying to help. Um, 
And uh, the two questions that guide me in a very open-ended kind of way are, you know, uh, what do we need to solve and, and how can we solve it, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, what do you we look at, solve? How do we solve it? Yeah, yeah um, very simple. You know, it's kind of based on the medical field. You know, they do a ton of research, collect a ton of data, and, um, and they, you know, they, they plan things. Um, they take the data, they plan it, and they do it. And um, they get great results from cancer research to affecting diabetes to, you know, really any ailment. Uh, and sometimes they don't. Um, and that get that, but that in and of itself is information that they can use to plan something else, you know, or make other progress and and paths. So we apply that very simple process to a lot of the things that we do. Who are we trying to help, and um, you know, and how can we help them? What what, what data can we use to help them? There, there's so many directions I want to take us here, one of which is I want to get into questioning, which I know is a is something that we touched on earlier this morning. I also really value uh, what you've brought up here, which is discussing knowing your audience, knowing what you're looking for, right? And knowing that that the audience you're you're asking those questions to actually can get you the information that you can use to take action. So, so valuable. When you were discussing um, using a survey, this is obviously a survey that you located somewhere. You didn't need to create it yourself. It sounds like you found a resource that you were able to implement. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, you know, we consulted with doctors, uh, neuropsychologists, uh, psychologists, and and had three to choose from, and uh, we wanted one that was manageable for our 14-year-olds, uh, 13 and 14-year-old students, and. Um, wasn't too long, but we'd get to, you know, what we were hoping to get to, you know? Um, and um, so it was, it was a nice survey, but we, we had a little consensus building on which one to use. I, I really value that reminder that sometimes we collect data by the questions we ask ourselves or the things that we observe in our classrooms, but we also have access to other means of, of questioning survey results or anything in between that we're able to implement into our buildings and get those answers. So there's so many different yeah. ways to kind of curate the type of information that that we're discussing here. When it comes to identifying questions, right, you are trying to solve a problem and you want to make sure you ask the proper questions to get the results. Uh, what what are your thoughts on, on the power of questioning? Uh, I, I think it's the most important thing. Uh, I really do. Asking the right question um, and follow-up questions. I, I think that on a, on a very informal basis, when you're working with students or working with adults, making sure that you know you can you can ask um, you know a question that will you know potentially um, you know shed some light or or the person who's answering it can reflect a little bit, giving them time to answer. I think is very important too. But really. Um, you know, asking asking critical questions, uh, depending on the situation, whether it's um, um, you know in a class discussion or a teacher evaluation or student discipline, um, and or or at an IEP meeting, you know, really asking. You know, for example, with a student who's you know, um, I think you can do this younger, but I deal with high school age kids. But um, you know, having the student at those IEP meetings, which are you know very important, and you know, asking a question like. What are your aspirations? You know, not not necessarily. Uh, um, you know, what do you hope to accomplish? But you know, what what do you what do you been dreaming about? You know, what do you um, what do you see? Where do you see yourself in in uh, five years or two years or one year, depending on how many small or big steps you need to take with that particular student? Every case is different, but you know, really asking questions that are going to get you know 
the person who you're dealing with, the person you're trying to affect in a positive way to answer uh, in in an authentic, honest um, way that can help you plan, right? Create and do the activity, uh, because that's what action is, it's activity. Um, But, uh, and I'd also like to add um, in terms of research, I, and I did this as a classroom teacher, uh, as a history teacher, um, I, I called it explore. You know, research can be daunting sometimes, you know, research, I need how many sources, you know, how long does it have to be? No, let's go explore manifest Mm -hmm. destiny. What is that? Uh, You know, and you give the little, you know, introductory notes and then you tell them to go explore like Lewis and Clark did, for example, you know, Um, and and that's what we're doing, right? Aren't we exploring how to get a student to come to school on time or come to school at all? and, and so on. Uh, aren't we exploring how to make teachers better? So when you're in a teacher evaluation meeting, you, you know, you, you're asking them questions that help them move um, their instructional practice to a place that's going to be um, more productive and, and uh, improve student performance. I think that is the most valuable reminder that we need in the middle of this week as we're discussing you know, taking data or data. I know we had that discussion earlier, looking at this concept and saying, okay, what action want to take? You've given us a great example of a, of a widely accepted survey that you curated from a different location and implemented into your school. But you're also discussing simple questions that you can ask during an IEP meeting or simple questions that you can ask. This is all the information that we've access to. These are all things that can 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 move into those action steps. I know uh, Sandra's in the comments. I'm sorry, our comments have been going quickly, so I'm losing some of them. Sandra here is noting the value of in the morning being able to take a little inventory, take a little survey of students uh, right away off the bat, and really understanding that that can make a big impact on how we support our students, not only academically but in the mental health space, which I know you're very passionate about ensuring that we are supporting students and I assume staff in, in mental health, the, the ability to ask questions and get collect that data to turn that into action, I'm sure has been invaluable over the last few years. Incredibly, um, you know, our, our, um, our moments at the beginning, uh, our moments at the beginning of, of class, um, you know, asking them, you know, as part of a warm up, um, kind of, you know, how are you doing? Uh, what do you need? Um, and, uh, you know, with high school kids, you know, they have a lot of answers. And um, the, uh, you know, the important thing is um, making sure that they feel welcomed and making sure that they um, have, um, um, oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. dropping. she misses me already. If I, I put her outside, she would be barking and really interrupting us. Now she just wants to be part of it. Well, that's good. I mean, we are always welcoming dogs on the show here. We have no problem with that. I love her. (laughs) She's good. But um, we also have um, developed the past couple of years um, social emotional moments that are part of every class's uh, construct. And, and we embed these social emotional moments in the content areas. So in chemistry, algebra, um, history, English, uh, you know, world language, each teacher does um, throughout the course of the year, um, a total of 20 SEL moments. And what's nice about that is you are addressing mental health and you are um, also covering content at the same time. Um, and, and, you know, social emotional wellness and, and those competencies that you're trying to work with kids on um, uh, mesh nicely with content standards and content objectives. Um, you know, decision-making, responsibility, self-management. Um, and um, 
you know, I, I, I just think, I just think there's a, there's an area for our schools to improve um, when, um, when you're, you know, combining, um, you, you know, those types of things into content and skills. Because in the end, it's all about skills. We want our students, you know, to go off um, to life after high school and after college or jobs uh, to, um, you know, to be critical thinkers and to solve our world's problems. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And there's so much work to be done in this space. I do want to celebrate. We did just announce our Teach Better Conference keynote, and this is her passion space. I mm -hmm. love that, that Brian, you share this this passion for identifying what we need to support in students, knowing that we need to have compassion for them, understanding them as a whole child and being able to provide those supports and, and the emphasis on how having data can support that. We're going to transition here really quick with a quick clip celebrating the Teach Better Conference, which, by the way, has proposals open. So if you're listening right now and you want to share your voice, maybe in this mental health space, giving some actionable steps to people that who, who may be attending the Teach Better Conference to learn how to best support our students. We'll be right back for that. And then, Brian, we have a question in the comments that we're really excited to address. So right now, I want to know if you're ready to teach better. That's the whole mission of this weekend. Just being here ready to learn and grow and come together like this, this is awesome. What are those small changes that can make you better tomorrow than you were today? All the amazing speakers we have here, wow. We have a ton of people here who are published authors, who are writing about education. Let's get out there and teach better. As everyone is thinking through what ideas they might want to share, Brian, I can only imagine you were going to have so many different session ideas that you could present on at, at an event like this. This question here uh, is addressing a, a fear around data. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. The comment is from our Facebook group. If you are not a part of our private Facebook group, it is 100% free to all educators. People constantly pose questions, share resources. You can gain access to that free group over at teachbettergroup.com. It will redirect you to join. It's very, very easy. This is a comment here, Brian, that says, anyone else get overwhelmed with the amount of data that we're given sometimes? Data is great, uh, but it has to really be meaningful. What are your thoughts on this? I couldn't, I could not agree more. Um, you, we need to use data, data, um, and be precise with it um, in the sense of, you know, how is it going to help us? How is it going to inform our instruction? Um, you know, we, we talked about warm-ups. Uh, how about at the end of a class, you know, a three, two, one um, summarizer, right? Those are three questions to uh, that, that you ask a student um, that isn't just to get students to finish the last two or three minutes of class and to develop their understanding. That's part of it. But it's really when that teacher collects that, um, those, those slips or, or looks at it, if it's done electronically, um, that will inform their instruction. And what an empowering um, sort of strategy that can be for the classroom teacher. And, um, and, and that isn't overwhelming. You know, that is, um, it's very easy to perform. Um, but this this um, Facebook user is right. Uh, sometimes data can be too much. So um, back to what I had said, you know, who is your audience? What are you hoping to accomplish by looking at the data? You, you, that helps keep you kind of precise in, in what you're looking for and what you're asking. 
Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, Brian. This to me is, is is really a reflection on the fact that sometimes we collect collect information just to have information, mm. and then we find ourselves inundated with piles and piles of information that we don't necessarily want to sort through, know what we're looking for. We're not really sure even where to begin in this pile of content. And so we find ourselves sometimes like Aaron saying later on in the comments, like pushing it off to the side and like getting rid of it, which then just feels like a wasted, you know, curation opportunity. I think for me, as we're talking about data being overwhelming or data being overwhelming, it really comes down to looking at knowing why the information is being curated because if we know why, and again, you've emphasized the such importance to know our audience, if we know what we're trying to do with the information, that it's a little bit easier to sift through and be able to say, oh, this information is really helpful. Let's save this to dive deeper into. And this information is really not so we can put this off to the side or recycle it and not feel guilty. So this this right. to me is really coming down to intentionality, right? Well, intentionality, precision, and I want to add um it has to be personal, oh, right? Yeah. Um, the the asking the question, whatever it is, survey data that you're looking for to use, it has to be personal. So if it's a conversation with a student or a group of students uh, or your entire class, um, have that conversation. The academic dialogue and conversations in classrooms can yield mm -hmm. so much incredible data that, um, again, empowers the teacher to inform their instruction in a way that supports students the next day and the day after that. And more importantly, um, you know, that that classroom type um, uh, discussion and data collection helps generate an assessment that will actually uh, and authentically assess the learning. Right. Uh, it's it's yeah. not out of a workbook or it's not out of, well, I did this for this unit last time. It it. And, and it takes a little bit of time, um, but you're dealing with the data that's right there in front of you over the course of four days or a week, um, but it, it, it aligns. Um, so making making the questions and the surveys personal um, and, and one kid at a time, one teacher at a time. Um, a couple of years ago, I changed our teacher evaluation system and uh, the union loved it. So um, we got it passed pretty quick. Um, but it was to have our formative evaluations that were one-on-one -on -one conferences, one-on-one -on -one conferences. Um, and the report in the middle of the year, or at the end of the year, depending on the cycle the teacher was on, um, the report was generated from that conference. And you could certainly use uh, observation data that was collected during classroom walkthroughs. Um, but the bulk of it, um, including rating, you know, came down from that, uh, uh, resulted in that conference between the teacher and the administrator. And um, I will tell you, um, and, and we're fortunate to have, you know, passionate, incredible educators in our school, um, but I will tell you that the growth mindset on each teacher that was part of those conferences grew um, to a point that, um, again, uh, became, they became better, you know, as a result of just reflecting and creating some action steps from the questioning. I love it. And I think your emphasis on personal is a huge component of what I assume made that so successful as I'm thinking through the multitude of evaluation styles that I've seen, not only across the U.S., but Canada, working with different staff members and, and districts that go about this all different ways across the states. 
Um, sometimes evaluations feel like busy work. It feels like we are collecting data for no intentionality at all. And that can add a lot of stress to an educator to think through making a transition where it is conversation-based. It allows for deep reflection. You as the, as the leader of the building are able to see that reflection taking place right before you and in a very personal and intentional opportunity to set some goals and, and make it a, a empowering um, you know, valuable moment of, of data collection and then action steps being curated to me, that is the most ideal situation. So yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it's been really powerful. Um, no checklists, you know, um, no, no log of, of how many indicators and elements you had met. Um, you know, there, there certainly are some things that we want to, you know, work with teachers on specifically, but, um, um, at the start of the year, there's two questions we ask. What do you need and how can I help? Um, and that spurs on incredible conversations, not just in that moment, but follow-up conversations. You have a basis of, of how to work with that particular educator on, um, on the things that he or she you know, want to um, work on. I think we need to have our community challenge our community that whether it be today or we'll give you until Friday, depending on what your day looks okay. like, I want to see those two questions asked to either somebody that you are in a leadership role to serve or even a colleague or, or a student that you can better support. Can you give us those two questions again? I love those two very simple, easy to ask questions. Yep. What do you need and how can I help? Done. You know, so, powerful. Um, so powerful. Yeah, and the, and you can create the topic together. You know, it, it could be I need time. I need you know more technology. I need more. You know, I need this. Um, you you can collaboratively determine what the topic is. But you know that to me allows for any data that is collected either on the teacher's part, my part, um, to turn into action um, because someone's responsible. You know, what do you need? How can I help? Um, it, it holds me accountable as a building Love leader, it. you know, because um, ultimately, Ray um, and, and those listening, it really is about transfer. Um, you know, leaders can have answers, um, but really, you know, dealing with students, um, we don't want students to be teacher dependent. Right. We want them to be able to be critical thinkers. We want them to be able to um, use the content and the skills that they've developed and learned over time to solve, you know, the problems and the challenges of um, of the times. And um, and the best way to get there, to, in my opinion, is through good questioning, good connection with students and um, and handing it off to them. And that takes, you know, intentionality, like we we're saying, but that takes a personal approach. Mm, yes, you are so spot on. I'm so excited to take these ideas and see how our community turns them into action steps. As many of you know, on Wednesdays, this is where we're able to, at the very, very end of the show, give you some action steps that as you want to go and explore further, we can give you some resources that will support you in that, whether it be questioning or, or curating data or evaluating information or anything in between. So we'll be right back with a few recommendations we love. Good morning, everyone. As we 
finish up our morning show here on Wednesday, March 2nd. On Wednesdays, we always love to conclude our show with a little segment that we only do on Wednesdays to give you some next steps that if you like the theme or topic that we're discussing that week, what can you go do to further your exploration? There is no way that between our guests and everything we're trying to accomplish in a week that we can fully dive into some of these concepts. We want to just spark some inspiration, spark some fire under your butt that maybe this is something you're going to go learn more about. We want to make sure that you have some resources that you can turn to. These resources might be um, books, blogs, podcasts, kind of anything in between that to help us help support us in this area. Brian, when you think through uh, whether it be professional development or blogs or podcasts or books that have helped you kind of lead uh, this passion space of yours, what what would you turn to? It's a great question. Um, so yeah, I want to go back to something I, I, I touched upon very briefly, and, and it's that the, the intersection of um, social emotional wellness in the classroom, right? That isn't the guidance department's job. That, that's all of our jobs. So when we began to do these moments, these SEL moments in the classroom, we turned to CASEL, uh, C-A-S-E-L, CASEL. Uh, so they, they, they have an incredible... Um, you know, website that has a ton of resources on how not only what those SEL competencies are, but you know, practices and and um, um, sort of tutorials on how to develop uh, SEL objectives that match content objectives. So that would be that would be one that um, I think stands out because I use it you know a couple times a week. Uh, it's phenomenal. If any of you are looking to learn more about that social emotional health, Castle is a great fundamental to start from. I, I really appreciate that recommendation, Brian, so much that people can look into and, and really make dif different decisions on. So it's very, very powerful. Um, I would and be it, remiss uh, if I didn't mention our friend Dave Schmidow. He has a book called Making Assessment Work. What I like about this, what I like about his book is that it, it the subtitle is For Educators Who Hate Data But Love Kids. This book has a lot of different um, ways to dive into assessment. And the reason I think that that's relevant in this week's discussion is because assessment is truly asking questions and know what knowing what to do with that information. It is, really is in that data collection phase. So for those of you who are not connected with Dr. Dave Schmidow, he's obviously a part of our Teach Better team um, as the Director of Leadership and Development, but somebody who continues to have a passion space for this. I know this is like one of his most popular books that so many of you already may own, uh, but definitely something worth celebrating. Any other ideas on um, this topic, Brian? Um, you know, I think we covered quite a bit. Um, and, you know, just want to thank you for your time and, and your work in, in this area to, to make teachers better. I, I couldn't could not agree more with, with the idea that, um, that it starts with, you know, teachers that feel valued, teachers that are empowered um, to do better in their work with, with students. So mm. yeah, I think we Same covered a lot. Right back at you, friend. I so appreciate, Brian, you waking up bright and early to chat with us. And um, we have been able to talk through so many different ideas. I do want to make sure our community here can stay connected to you. I can only imagine they're going to follow up questions and want to learn more. It's also so valuable as a network that we continue to add people to our professional learning network so we can be better educators, stronger educators, more well-rounded educators. So Brian, would you give us a little update on where we can stay connected to you? Sure. Um, my Twitter is uh, in my title there on the screen, I believe, at W. Burrow Principal. Um, you've actually inspired me over the last couple of months um, to uh, to increase my um, social media 
um, presence, I guess, uh, if that's the word. I'm, I'm kind of a humble person, you know, by nature and just like to, you know, we have 1,200 students and 152 teachers. So they're my family and, and they're my work. But um, beginning to dabble a little bit more into um, a, a social media presence. So, but for now, I'm on Twitter. I love it. Brag on those educators, brag on those students. We love to see it over on Twitter. For those of you who are eager to continue your learning, we would love to hear about how that goes for you or if you take on our challenge of asking those two questions this week. Brian and I would love an update. Feel free to tweet at us using the hashtag TeachBetter and tagging our accounts, including the TeachBetter team, if you want to amplify that tweet even further. And we'd love to hear about how that goes. Brian, thank you so much for joining us live on the show. For our community here, we wish you nothing but an absolutely wonderful Wednesday. If you need anything, we are absolutely here to support you. And as a reminder, as you continue to move throughout your day, whether it be the first five minutes of starting class this morning or a big, beautiful idea that you want to share, we have proposals open at teachbetterconference.com. We would love to have you submit one, two, three, four different sessions to share your ideas with this community. That event will be in person October 14th and 15th in Akron, Ohio. We just announced our keynote and we are so excited to continue to announce featured speakers and our other keynote that is still a, still a secret within our community. So thank you to all of you who are joining, potentially joining that lineup by submitting a session at teachbetterconference.com. Brian, I hope this is not the last time we chat. I'm excited to stay connected to you and I really appreciate you coming live with us this morning. Uh, the pleasure was mine. So thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll see you again. Yes, everyone have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Wednesday.